0: Good morning, Point Way Church family. wanted to start off with some announcements this morning, as we're uh, still in this modified church service. We are thankful that you're joining us uh, via the internet. But our announcements, there are not too many of them, um, there's no blue cards to fill out or things like that, but we would like you to continue to uh, consider giving, especially for our church members. As... Um, The bills continue to come in. Uh, We obviously want to continue to support our missionaries uh, through the Great Commission Fund. We've also committed to um, $200 a month to Rick and Kirsten down in the cities as part of Envision. So you can do that either through the internet or through Square, or you can even do it the old-fashioned way. You can write out a check, put it in an envelope, and mail it, because your pastor will be checking the mailbox daily And uh, we'll process it that way as well. So by any means, we should be able to to, uh, take your your tithes and your offerings and get it to the right places. So please continue to do that. Continue to pray for your church family Uh, in the upcoming weeks as, again, we're on this modified, which makes it a little more difficult, but not impossible. And so I'm glad that you're with us here this morning. Uh, That's kind of it for announcements because, like I said, we're kind of taking everything week by week. Uh, We know for sure next week. Uh, it's Palm Sunday, believe it or not, it is Palm Sunday already, um, but we will be doing uh, a similar format as this Sunday as we are still in the shutdown uh, period uh, per our governor, and we've decided as a church family to, to stay in place and to abide by the, the authorities over us in this matter, and so we are going to continue on with that for at least the next week as well, but I think that's it for announcements kind of want to shift over a little bit into a, a time of prayer focus. And today's verses that I want us to focus on uh, may sound a little bit strange, but I'll explain in a little bit as well. But it's found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let me read them to you. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us, not, let us consider how we may spur one another on Toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Again, these are some of my favorite verses. And for us this morning, as we take some time to pray and to think about it, um, we do have a hope. We have a hope in Jesus Christ that others don't have. And it's unswerving, It, it, it remains faithful. And he who promised, God who promised that, is faithful in that. And so, in our part in that, I want us to encourage how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And part of that, I think, especially in this time, is staying connected and praying for each other. Take some time and pray for those at the Point Way Church body. Those people that you see, that you fellowship with week in and week out. So I want to take part of that to to pray for those folks, but also to expand, because sometimes I think we need to expand our horizons a little bit, and I also want to make sure that we are praying for our missionaries, right? We support them not only financially, and it's going to be a struggle for the next few months, but also praying for them that God will meet their needs and that they'll be protected, and so we want to pray for them as well, And, and also that will help us stay connected, I believe through prayer that our hearts are joined together. God joins us together, and he keeps them connected. And so that's it. right now, that's the form that we're going to try to continue to, to foster to keep us together as far as meeting together. And so I want to take some time and pray. So I'm just going to allow you some time to pray, and then I will close us in prayer when you've had a moment. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the body of Christ here at Pointway. And Lord, we do love each other. And Lord, may you just continue to foster that love. May it continue to grow. And Lord, may we spur one another on. May we encourage one another through these difficult times. May we be that source of encouragement. May you continue to use us to love on not only our families and those in our church, but Lord, to those to an outside world. Lord, may our faith be a testimony to that. May you continue to use us to reach the lost. Lord, we also want to pray for our missionaries who are going through similar struggles. And Lord, many of them are facing the same challenges that we're faced today. And Lord, we ask that you would provide for their needs, that you'd be faithful, that you would just continue to do your work in their lives, continue to watch over them. And Lord, we just thank you that we do have the body of believers that we can lean on through these times. Lord, may you continue to bless and use your body in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause. All right, cue me up. All right, good morning again. As we uh, begin this morning's message, we're still in the book of Luke. And again, if you haven't noticed over the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of taking stories from Luke, kind of keeping it cohesive, but it's Jesus' teaching, and we've been leading up to the fact that Jesus is teaching to his disciples in order to prepare them because he's not going to be there much longer. The time is getting close now. It's getting near the end of his ministry, his time here on earth, and so he's preparing them. But not only his disciples are with him, but we also have the Pharisees that are hanging out as well. And again, Jesus, because he's Jesus and he can teach and he's a great teacher, he teaches to both. And again, he also shows a hypocrisy between The Pharisees and the temple, and what's been going on there, to what the disciples are going to need and equip them for what's to come. And so Luke's one of those great books that way. I also like Luke because Luke, as you may know, is a a Gentile believer. And as a Gentile, he explains things for us because unlike Matthew, Matthew is written to Jewish believers. And so they get a lot of the culture and a lot of things in the background. It's hard for us in this Western society sometimes to imagine what it was like. And, and things don't quite seem like the normal in our Western culture when we're looking at Jewish uh, and especially Jewish believers. And so um, it's a little bit different. And so Luke helps us with that. Luke also brings in the fact that he's a, a doctor. And so there's a lot of the healings. Um, that was, was a focal point of Luke because he, he noticed those, the miracles of healing He also writes great detail. He gives us detail into the situation that helps round out the picture. And not that Matthew and Mark um, and John's written a little bit differently. Not that that doesn't help us as well. But I I really like Luke for some of these, uh, especially in the teaching part, because not understanding the cultural background could make it hard for us to see the point. And again, Jesus also uses parables. And in these parables, he's using everyday circumstances to show a spiritual truth. And so I like that part. And that's why we're using Luke. And uh, today's text is Luke chapter 17. Now I know you're not here with us this morning and Brandon can't put it up on the screen for you. So guess what? You're going to have to go at least a little bit of old school. Some of you can still go new school and look it up on your phone or your tablet. Some of you may have to pull out that Bible Hopefully, you don't have to dust it off, but pull it out, open it up, turn the pages. I know, I know, it's been a while for some of us. Turn the pages and look at the passage. So, I'll give you a few minutes to get there, but we're at Luke chapter 17, and we're going to be working through one, uh, through a few other verses there, um, down to 22. So, pull out your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 17. Chapter 17 starts off Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to sin are bound to come. But woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into a sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. A couple things here that we want to notice. Again, Jesus is talking to his disciples, so he's kind of focusing on them right now. He's not focusing on the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the priests. He's talking to his disciples and he's talking about things that cause people to sin. And I want to kind of just take that, that point right now that sin has an effect on other people. It doesn't just, it's not a personal sin where it just affects us only. It affects other people, and we need to be aware of that. And Jesus is kind of giving a warning here that we have to be careful that we don't cause others to sin. And again, the little ones can mean not only children to sin, but even new believers I think there's that, that you could use that as a dual meaning there for either one. But we have to be careful that uh, when we're in that state of sinning that we don't become that stumbling block or that we're not helping um, other people to sin. Now, I get that it's their own responsibility we choose to sin. But there's a warning there that we have to be careful and not forget that our sin affects other people as well. Second part of this verse talks about it would be better to have a millstone wrapped around your neck up in Ticonderoga, uh, it was a milling town way back in the day, and um, they had all these millstones that were left over in the factories, and they actually took them out and put them in the, along the streets, and they used them as like a guardrail. And, and they weighed a couple hundred pounds, and they, they have a small opening. So you can imagine that, but it's, it's a couple hundred pounds. And so if you had that strapped to your neck, and you were thrown in the water, guess what? You're going to die. You're going to drown. There's, there's no way out of it. You can't get out of it. It's a heavy weight. It's a huge thing, and you're going to drown. And, and what Jesus is saying, it would be better for you to die than it would be to cause someone else to sin, a, a young believer or a child um, to sin. And so it shows some of the weightiness of that. It, it gives you some of that, that picture that Jesus takes us very seriously. He wants to get your attention that our sin has an effect on other people, and we have to be careful with that. Verse 3, as we move on, in fact, the warning comes with He says, so watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Interesting here, right? He talked about sinning against little ones or causing little ones to sin, Now he turns to the next group, brothers, right? Brothers are, the assumption here is that they're brothers and sisters in Christ. They're part of the family. And we do. We sin against each other from time to time. And Jesus says, it's all right to rebuke him. It's all right to call him out on that sin. You know, in fact, if you you love me, you're going to let me know if I'm doing something wrong. You're going to tell me, you know what? Hey, that hurt me. That's a sin please turn back, repent. And then Jesus says, well, hopefully that person does turn back and he does ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of those things as believers that we struggle with. Um, It's one of the the things that comes up quite often when we have problems and things uh, in our church bodies and it keeps us from being united. It's not forgiving. And if you've been here at Point Way, you've heard me even do a whole message on forgiveness. And I can't do it justice here this morning. But if you want to look back on the web pages, it's in there about forgiveness. But the point of this is that we need to forgive. And again, not just once, but seven times. In Matthew, Peter asked that question Lord, how many times? Right? Remember, the, the Jewish leaders had this, this theory that, you know, hey, I only have to forgive three times, right? If the person commits a sin three times, and, and even if they repent, that's it. They've used up their forgiveness. And Jesus says, no, I tell you, seven times 70, right? Which is an astronomical number. It doesn't, doesn't matter in a, in a day. It, it, forgiveness is part of the believer. It's part of what we need to do. We need to forgive that brother or that sister when they come to us and ask for forgiveness. And as we know with forgiveness, it helps not only that person who's done the sin, but it also helps us. It releases us from that. Keeps our heart open. Again, it doesn't say to avoid them, doesn't say to bring judgment upon them, but to forgive. And forgiveness is going to be the key. It's going to be the key as we go forward with here on this, this, this section. Because this was a problem in that day among the Pharisees, But again, remember, Jesus is also teaching his disciples, they're going to need this as they go forward in their walk with Christ. Interestingly, the main verse here, and the one that we want to kind of leap off to, and it's kind of the basis for the bulk of this message, but verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Jesus said back to them, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. All right? So Jesus is saying, and in one, other, in one of the other gospels, it uses the mountain, right? Move this mountain from that mountain. But the apostles are asking for faith. Increase our faith. You know, they're, they're, they're confessing to Jesus, you know, we don't have enough faith. We need more faith. Right? And it's not a bad question. This is actually a good thing. They're asking for it. But Jesus is saying, really, in essence here, you already have enough faith. You really need to put your faith into practice. Like I said, the, the title of today's message, actually, and it comes out in, in these verses, and I've kind of waited till now to, to launch it, but it's, it's called faith check. Check in your faith. And Jesus' reply gives us some insight in here. It says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, right? Mustard seed's pretty small. Um, I love the fact that Jesus uses illustrations, and I'm going to use one today. Uh, I'm going to tip my cap. I'm not sure where it came from. I actually saw it from one of my friends in Romania, so I'm not sure where it came from, but I'm going to use one of today's illustrations, right? Think how small this virus is, right? Right? would make a mustard seed look kind of big in many ways. But what if we flipped it? If our faith was like this virus and it spread and it affected as many people as this virus is affecting around the globe, just think for a moment the impact that would have on all of Christianity. Can you imagine that? Hundreds of thousands all around the world doesn't matter whether it's men, women, children, nationality, place, how much money you have or don't have, just think of the impact the gospel would have if it was like this virus. Kind of daunting, huh? It's kind of a a challenge. And again, it's not the amount of faith that's going to do it it's using what faith we already have i think of when we were doing the study in first peter right we've been given everything we need for life and godliness right we've been given everything we need we we have the gospel as believers and what of our lives could be as contagious and have as far reaching effect as this virus cool thought huh again faith check on to the next parable, as Jesus gives us more. And again, you'll see where this, this all kind of ties in together as we work through it. But verse 7, Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he, come in, when he came in from the field, Come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, Prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may Eat and drink. What do you think the servant? Because he he w- did what he was told. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, "We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty." All right. It's a little bit hard to understand as we're working through it, but again, it's a, a master interacting with his his slave, right? And again, they both come in from a would not work, and uh, they've toiled. And the servant um, would not expect the master to say, hey, come down, and, and I'll fix the meal for you, right? It's the servant's job. It's his duty to prepare the meal. And it would be the normal course of day. And again, the master is expecting this. And the servant does what he's told. Would there be anything special for him? Would, he say, oh, would the master like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for... No, because that's expected. That's his normal part of his job. That's what he is supposed to do, right? No extra thing. It's just part of his normal duties. And Jesus uses this little story here because I, if you remember back, as we looked earlier, we talked about forgiveness. Forgiveness for the believer is part of our duty. It's not optional. It's not something that we're going to get high praise for. It is part of our duty. We are to forgive as Jesus forgave us. When you put it in that context, it kind of changes a little bit, right? It's looking at the motivation. And again, he's contrasting. He's continually contrasting what he wants his disciples to be and who the Pharisees have been showing themselves to be. Pharisees would, would forgive somebody. The Sadducees would forgive somebody but there was an expectant that they were going to get rewarded for that. They were going to get a payback for that. It came at a cost. Again, they they had become corrupt. They were doing it for the wrong motivation. And Jesus is really saying here, as believers, we don't need motivation to forgive. It's part of our duty. Again, sometimes we need to remind ourselves that Jesus forgave us for everything. With nothing in return. It's that reminder. And so Jesus kind of doubling down on on what he had taught earlier about forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness. Can I also say that in light of faith as well, that unforgiveness affects our faith? Right? If we're not forgiving people, what does that really say about our faith? It's not being put to practice, it's not being shown, it's not being used. And so Jesus is, is really emphasizing that point that forgiveness and faith really work hand in hand. It's essential to our faith because if we hadn't been forgiven for our sins, there's no hope, right? Again, we're going to be celebrating that hope coming up. As I mentioned earlier, Palm Sunday is next Sunday, and then we'll be celebrating Resurrection Sunday. Again, that's our hope. We'll talk a little bit about that more in upcoming verses. I want to make sure that we tie that together as well. We have our hope through that. But forgiveness is important. Forgiveness is part of our duty as believers. Verse 11, we'll look at another part of our faith. Verse 11, he um, does a healing, and Luke um, records this. It's interesting, the the folks that he heals, and um, Jesus used healings quite often to um, as an illustration, but he also used it as an opportunity to, to draw people, to draw people in um, so that his message could be heard. You know, healing was also a sign for especially Jewish believers that, uh, for Jews in, in general, that the, the person teaching had authority from God. And so Jesus does a number of these healings. Um, interestingly enough, too, he often heals in different ways, and we'll see how he does this here. But the key to this passage, this next section, is really the response. So verse 11 says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And they went, and they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw, was healed. He came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. It's a key point here. Verse 17, Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found in return And gave praise to God, except this one foreigner. Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you. Again, so we've got this illustration here, and Jesus is is actually doing this here. This is a teaching moment for his disciples, but he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's walking up through, and again, Samaria is one of those areas uh, for the Jews um, that they would avoid. And so he's actually. Most likely going along the Galilee Sea, he's going along the edges, and he's just getting to the edge of Samaria. He's kind of on the border, and again, leprosy in that time um, was a, a disease that affected the skin. Um, it was flesh-eating. It was grotesque to look at, and to be honest, they would just lepers were pushed out of the society, pushed out of the community. They were quarantined. Uh, For many of them, it would be for their life. As long as they had leprosy, they could not be part of the community. They were shunned. They were thought less of. Many times they they were looked upon as they were sinners. They had leprosy. They had obviously done something wrong and then displeased God, and God was punishing them. Again, that's not the case at all, but that's what they believed. And so they would be put out. And sometimes the only way they could survive is they would group together. Again, if you already have leprosy, you might, you know, to stay with people that have the same disease, you're not gonna, you're not gonna cross over. And then there was some support system there. Now, people would bring interaction. A lot of times, family members would still take care of them, but they would leave it. But there would be no contact. There would be no interaction. Very little interaction. Um, social distancing has been around for a long time. It was all the way back in biblical times. Actually, even before um, Jesus came. Again, leprosy were, were put out of the camp. It's back to Moses' time. But Jesus speaks to them, and speaks especially from a distance. He just tells them, go to the priest, right? Going to the priest was you had to go before them in order to be let back into the community. You had to show yourself. You had to show your skin. You would have to peel back your clothes and that you'd have to show there were no signs or that the, the leprosy had been healed, And then you'd have to sacrifice and then you'd be allowed back into worship and you'd be allowed back into uh, the community. And so really the the priests didn't do any healing, although some of them thought they, they had that power. But really the priests were just the inspectors. They were just the ones that were checking. They were the ones that were just examining. And they were examining the outside of the body to see if they were clean. And if they were, like I said, they would be allowed back in. And so Jesus sends them off. Now, it doesn't say in the text here that they were, were cleansed right then and at that moment, but they all obeyed and probably took some faith risks that they actually just went to the priest. And somewhere in that journey, they were healed. Interestingly, though, only one out of the ten came back to Jesus and thanked him. Now, this also leads me to that point, and it's kind of a side point here, but. You know, miracles, sometimes we have things that happen in our lives and and it has an impact at the moment, but we forget about it. It doesn't last long. It's only temporal. You know, we can look back on our our journey of faith and we can remember all the times that God's been faithful. I don't know why it is, but sometimes we we lose sight of that and we think that God's not going to be faithful with the next thing that comes up, the next illness, the next situation the next moment, the next hard time that we're going to be going through. But this one comes back, and he's thankful. And he thanks Jesus, and Jesus says, look at this. This is a Samaritan. Remember, there was, there was tension between the Samaritans and the Jews. A you know, Samaritan is half Jewish and half Assyrian, so they're, they're a mixed blood. They're not pure Jews, and so the Jews would quite often separate themselves in that area of Samaria, they wouldn't even attempt to go in that area. They wouldn't minister to those folks. Again, they were considered less. Jesus makes a point here. He doesn't see that through this. He just sees a person who is thankful. Again, he's teaching his disciples through this. You know, this lesson is going to come up later on. Right? The Jews had a hard time, even as believers, allowing the Gentile believers to fellowship, to, to intermingle, to become part of the family. They struggled with that for quite some time. So Jesus is actually prepping the way here. And again, a lot of the stories do involve Samaritans and people of low standing, and in this case, lepers, people who were condemned outside of the village to live in isolation until they were healed. Notice here in verse 19, it's kind of the key to this, and it ties in well with our faith and our faith check. Jesus said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Right? Again, it's not his faith that healed him. It was his obedience, and Jesus did the healing. The faith is that he realized and was thankful for who the healer was. I think that's key to that, right? Our faith is all hinged and at the base is, is based on Jesus and the work that Jesus does in our lives. its where our faith comes from. That's where our faith helps us to be thankful. Our faith helps us to forgive. Our faith helps us to love. And our faith gives us hope. Again, hope for the disciples at this point. They don't know it yet, but things are going to get tougher for them. And I believe Jesus is preparing them for that time when things are going to get tougher. I'm going to just flip over another chapter. So if you're following along in your Bible, chapter 18. All right, give you a second to get there. And again, we're just going to look at a few verses. But as I've been saying, we've been leading up to Easter, and I don't want to forget that. Because there's a key component to our faith as well, and it's that hope. And so I want to focus on that for a few moments here as we're closing out this morning's message. But look at the hope that Jesus, again, he's preparing his disciples for that. Verse 31, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. At this point, disciples did not understand any of this. It's meaning was hidden from them. And they did not know what he was talking about. Right? So Jesus is actually telling them of what's going to take place. Right? He's going into Jerusalem. He's going to be received. Next week, we'll look at that. He's going to be received with, with welcoming and praises. Again, they're welcoming as the, as the king, the coming king. He's coming in to rescue them. And then in just a short time, he's going to be handed over to the Romans where he will be mocked, beaten, spit on, crucified, and buried. And then as we know, as we celebrate Easter after that, he will be risen again. And we serve a risen Lord. He's alive and well today. Also with that hope, I want to just flip over to a few more pages, and I know we're covering a little bit more scripture this morning, and that's okay, because we know we have time. You have time to to go back through this, you have time to study these out, and I want to encourage you to do that, because these passages are rich, and there's many layers to it, and I want to, to encourage you to do that. But again, along that theme of hope, as we've been looking at the different things this morning, we've been looking at love, we've been looking at faith especially, and now hope, Jesus over in John chapter 14 gives us some encouraging words, and I kind of want to close with these words. John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And what hope there is in that passage, right? You say, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Again, we could certainly use that today, right? Don't let our hearts be troubled. This is a temporary thing. This is a thing that we're going through. This is a trial. This is a, a tough time right now in our, our, our nation, in our world, and, and, and even among our church, church body. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Look ahead. Look with that hope, that expectation, right? I guarantee this virus is a short dot in light of eternity. And as believers, we can take these verses to heart and we can have hope in them, right? He's talking about heaven here, right? I'm preparing a place for you. Many mansions, rooms. And he says, I'm going to come back for you. Don't worry. I'm not leaving you forever. He left his disciples physically. But spiritually, he's right there. He's there today. He's with us. Again, he's encouraging us to look forward to heaven. Again, in light of eternity, this is just a short moment in time. Verse 5. You thought I was done there, I know. But I'm going to go on a little bit more because I love these verses, and I think it will be helpful. Because guess what? I can be this person as well. Thomas, right? We know about Thomas. Thomas is called Doubting Thomas. Uh, There's a little bit of Thomas in all of us. It's okay to doubt from time to time, uh, as long as we don't stay there. So Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Here's the key. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? Jesus is the only way. That is our key as believers. That is the key to our faith, that Jesus is the only way. There's no other way. It's only through Jesus. And through Jesus, we have that hope. We have that hope of eternal life. We have that hope of what's yet to come. We have that hope that no matter what happens around us, the circumstances, physically, we have that hope of eternal life with Jesus. Now think of how many people don't have that today. They don't have that faith. They don't have that hope. They don't have that ability to forgive. They truly don't even have that ability to love. Again, if you listened earlier, our prayer focus this morning was on Hebrews, and we focus on loving one another and spurring one another on. So We focus on the love component. Jesus' teaching, faith like a mustard seed, right? And we talked about how, how great it would be to be as contagious as this virus, our faith, and that the gospel spread and reached those hundreds and even millions of people with the gospel, our faith. And then the hope, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, that hope that we can give to others, by sharing our faith and how we experience, how we go through, and how we do things here on this earth. Bow with me as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you've given us, as your word says, everything we need. Lord, I pray for those that are listening this morning, Lord, that their faith would be strengthened, that they would check their faith. And Lord, that they would use even the smallest amount of faith for your glory. Lord, may we be thankful for that. May we be thankful for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. Lord, may it spur us on toward love and good deeds, to those around us, to those in the fellowship and beyond. And Lord, may we not lose hope that in light of eternity, you are there waiting for us. Lord, may we look forward to that day. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.